And you are listening to Tacoma Radio, W-O-W-D-L-P, Tacoma Park, 94.3 FM. My name is Maxfield Wallen Fisher, and this is Bienvenido al Tango. everybody starting off there with el amanecer tango with a long history on this show we always love those those birds sounds now my partner in broadcast uh, existence here phil is off still gallivanting around italy and europe and dancing himself silly at various tango events and festivals there but i have a great uh, treat for you today Jake Spatz is a local tango teacher and dancer and DJ and writer and general person who knows many things. He's been all over the world, certainly all over the country. And he, well, so welcome, Jake. <laughs> Good to see you. <laughs> you want to <laughs> wanna tell me a little bit about yourself? Uh, yeah, I've been uh, dancing for a long time. I started dancing in Brooklyn 2001, so uh, a little while ago, a few years ago. And uh, I've been uh, teaching in Washington, D.C. since 2005 and uh, run a regular event down at Eastern Market on Thursdays, so we're running tonight. And uh, we do classes and then a milonga, social dance. I'm um, there most weeks of the year. Yeah, it's, it's a, just a dance. It's a pretty fun place to be. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and we have a particular fondness for, for vintage music, like a lot of... Uh, a lot of dancers do nowadays, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about today, kind of the roots of the music and uh, and 
kind of what's under the hood. Absolutely. I always enjoy talking to Jake because he has a fantastically, I'm, I'm going to say encyclopedic knowledge of, of a lot of, uh, <laughs> of, of a lot of, of the great music of the last hundred years, hundred years, tango wise, and always a really, really unique perspective on it. And also I happen to have danced with a number of his students who I always really enjoy dancing with. So clearly he's good at communicating uh, how tango works. That's a very great compliment. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's get into it. We just listened to El Amanecer, uh, which listeners of this program are aware of as Phil and I work through the various ways that different orchestras make bird sounds, uh, which is maybe a little bit more of a superficial topic. On, <laughs> what a fun on, one. Certainly, yes. On that song, uh, than we might want to talk about today. So uh, we're actually going to play that song again. Okay. And our... Uh, what I'd like to do is just count it. Um, and I want to count it uh, both in the way that a dancer um, might count it, the way that I, I teach people um, to count, even though we don't focus so much on counting in dance classes because we're all standing up, we want to move. Um, but I want to focus on the measure of tango. That's really, the I think, the heart of, of the music and why we find, that we find it danceable in the first place. And really, the measure is something that, that really is characteristic uh, of any form of, of popular music, especially song. How would you define measure right here? Well, that's something I wanted to talk about because it's a thing which, uh, if we start just from the sound and from the music, we can arrive roughly at an idea of what the measure would be because we can listen to the changes in the sound, right? Changes maybe in the chord, uh, or if there's not a change in the chord, maybe in the lead note of the melody. And that's something that I find to be very consistent uh, across song generally, and in tango, it's pretty uh, consistent too. Now, I asked you actually before we started if you wanted to pick out a song to start with, um, because I thought that uh, we should just pick any, because you can really apply this uh, way of looking to music uh, to all tango music. It's pretty pretty general. Absolutely. So, uh, let's play this again, and we're just going to first listen for kind of changes in the maybe a chord change or something. All right. Uh, so I'll go ahead and play this from over here. Okay. There's a different note. Nice. So if I start counting, one, two, one, and two. One, two, one, two. One, and two. One, and two. One, and two. So we can take it down a little bit now. That's just the first first example. Um, and we'll hear this uh, throughout the show today because this is what I'd really like to focus on um, throughout. So here we go. I stopped it on my side now. Okay. Um, so the thing is that uh, historically, music, the measure in music tends to follow exactly that. It tends to follow the chord progression. And I noticed music. you were counting to two. Yes, I was counting to two, and that's very um, deliberate. Uh, when you look at tango written on, the way it's written on paper, um, most of the sheet music I have, and I have about I have a stack at home of about 600 pages somewhere, but I don't know where that stack is since we moved uh, last year. Um, but in that 600 pages, I went through all of it, and I found only I think one or two pieces of sheet music there that were not written in the measures called two four, um, and those two were written in four eight, which is a kind of equivalent uh, measure. That's to how two, they four. did it back. 
yeah. a lot of those sheets from 70 years ago or you'll find in 4-8. Yeah. Right. And so this 2-4, this idea of the 2-4 measure for tango is something that's very, um, it's had a very interesting history over the course of tango. It's kind of the original measure for tango, if you go back to those compositions, and it was actually the nickname for tango a long time ago. Um, it's something that uh, through the 1920s kind of drifted uh, away a little bit as the music uh, evolved and developed, but it is something that um, that band leaders went back to. Juan D'Arienzo specifically uh, is the one credited uh, with going back to it. He He made claims that he went back to it. How did he do that? Um, he basically decided to start playing dance music again. So when we, we have to put this in context to understand uh, what really happened. Uh, in tango from about the 1910s onward, you have really three distinct strains in the music in terms of how the music developed. You had dance music, uh, you had music for singers, which was often called tango cancion, and you had uh, music that was more for, for concert, right? Tango concertizing, which is kind of a general music. and. Uh, these three strains in tango were always developing uh, alongside each other, and usually at different periods, one of them became more prominent, one, one became uh, less prominent, one was kind of in the middle. Uh, so throughout the 1910s and the, the 1920s especially, the, the tango song became more prominent because the singers were a bigger deal. Along with the singers, the, the orchestration started to develop, the arrangements started to develop in tango. So dance music was was kind of in the background. It was still there, but it wasn't the at the forefront of what was going on. Um, and with the with the kind of the change in in attitude um, in the mid '30s, you had a general awakening around the world. This kind of need for dance music kind of all happens at the same time in 1935. It's really the birth of of swing as a global phenomenon, and it's also the the birth of tango uh, as a dance music primarily. It really reasserts itself as a as a nervy, rhythmic music meant to be moved to uh, with a partner. Very cool. Um, and so uh, what I'd like to do now is actually play the song that I think, uh, at least in my thinking, this is the one that kind of kicks off that era. Okay. And it's uh, a song recorded by Juan D'Arienzo. It's Nueve de Julio, mm. which is the name of the gigantic avenue in, in uh, the middle of Buenos Aires that's like 19 lanes wide. And uh, that's that busy trafficy street is kind of what the song uh to me evokes anyway i like that i've played it a lot of times i'll have to be thinking about the the busy street next time i, I sit down with it so what i like to do i'm going to start off and we'll listen to the song all the way through i just want to start off counting the two four uh measure here and we'll get into in a little bit maybe comparing it to four four and explaining why why i'm saying we should use two four instead of four four uh, perhaps uh even though you can make an argument that you could go back and forth uh between the two but uh, why don't we start it off here, and we'll give it a listen, and we'll see uh, we'll see if we can kind of get the the swing of this or the infectiousness of this. See why it kicked off an era of dancing. All right, let's listen. One, two, one, two, one, two, one, 
All right. Nueva de Julio, 1935, here on Bienvenido al Tango on W-O-W-D-L-P, Tacoma Park. My name is Max, and I'm talking with Jake Spatz here about the, me the measure, the beat in tango. So, Nueva de Julio, one of my favorites. Yes, mine too. Um, I love dancing to that song. I love playing it. I love uh, teaching with it because it just it kind of picks up uh, steam as it goes. And uh, it really it really swings pretty hard, I find. It really sets up that measure you were talking about very straightforwardly in the beginning and then really layers a lot on as you go, I find. Yes, there's. Um, I think that the, the reason I prefer to actually count in a 2-4 measure when uh, as a dancer yeah. and even, even just listening is that I find that it's, it's not only very consistent, yeah, because it accommodates all the different variations of rhythm that, that you often hear in a tango, um, but it's fun. It's actually really accessible, and it re even just speaking it, yeah, you start to feel like you're dancing just counting along. Two, uh, a one, two, two, a one, and a two. two, and a one. Yeah, it's just it just goes in a really, uh, I don't know, really infectious way. So, um, and I find that this is something that actually works. You can pick any orchestra in tango, as, as long as it's tango meant for dancing, you're going to hear that it matches this count. Yeah, the beat in the music actually goes with this very well. Um, and there are a lot of different ways that the orchestras kind of play with this measure. Uh, in, in Spanish, it's el compás, yeah? And when they talk about Darienzo, we just heard, as el rey del compás, is we kind of translate king of the beat, but the beat is the measure. The beat is the two mm -hmm. count, yeah? And that's really what he, what he like schooled everyone on how to do uh, in, in the 1930s. Everyone had to catch up to Darienzo. So uh, when we talk about his influence, you know, it's kind of controversial. People like to say, oh, well, 2-4 isn't really what they played. But all the sheet music I have is 2-4. When I listen, all the counting I can do to the music comes out 2-4 uh, also. Yeah, I think when it, you, from a musician's perspective, we often write things in 4-4. Four, four. Like when I, my sheet music for that particular piece, I've, I have in 4-4. Four, four, and I've done that just because it's easier to read. And mm -hmm. it matches up more with notational standards of how we work. But I mean, I can hold up my sheet music and it doesn't make any sound. You can't, you can't dance to it. So while I do that for convenience, I'm not suggesting that everybody step very quickly every four beats, which of course you don't have to do in 2-4 either. But I do think there's certainly a relationship between that pacing of 2-4 and a kind of natural walking rhythm. Would you say that, Speed? Yes. Well, th I think that there's, there's a reason to actually prefer 2-4 for, for tango, I mm -hmm. think, you know, aside from the conveniences of performing it as a musician, because that's kind of a different, uh, right. different issue. Um, because mathematically, 2-4 and 4-4 four, four are kind of equivalent. Um, it's all breaking things in half. Right. Um, and it's kind of, it's still a square-ish count. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you count 1 and 2 and, how is that different from 1, 2, 3, 4? Yeah. And for me, there is a difference because if you start counting... One, two, three, four. There's an expectation that you're setting up that there's going to be a beat on all four of those numbers. Right. And when you're counting in two, four, when you're just counting one and two and, you can drop out the ands and just get one, two, one, two. And that's part of the part of the variance in, that you hear in tango, part of the texture of the music is they go back and forth between playing just this two count and playing a two count with a feel of four, a four feel, you could say. In jazz, you often have songs that start off, they're in 4-4, four, four, and they start off with a two feel. So they start mm -hmm. off almost playing 
in two four at least in the bass. Um, that's, that's the part I know better. That's true. Back to you know Bach and Vivaldi as well. You always sort of have a hierarchy of beats, and that's I think a sort of great way of emphasizing the important parts of the measure there. Yeah, in a way, way, in a way, two four is the more primal beat. It's a more like underlying or underpinning structure. Even when we hear people count off a song, how do they start? They go a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. Yeah, ah, that's a great point. I the like the first that. one's yeah. two four. The second <laughs> one's four four. Yeah. Cool. So the thing is, in tango, because of the the way that the beat kind of can drop out that eighth note beat can drop out sometimes i find that it's much more consistent to count it in two um also in tango going back to the the older tango you have a different beat uh which is really hard to do in four four because it's the beat that's known as a habanera absolutely it becomes the basis uh later of the milonga i actually have a little example here um which i like to play next just we'll just listen to uh to maybe the opening of it this is a Tango called Didi, that's um, they hear a lot of different orchestras recorded, uh, but I have one by here by Roberto Firpo, who was playing in the 1910s. He was one of the the big shots back then in that era. He actually retired. He was so successful, and he came back later in the 30s, um, and then after after that in the in the 40s uh, with a quartet uh, and played more in the old style, which is very nervy, very fast. But I have one here with his orchestra. And this is Didi, and you hear really the habanera beat. Even though this is a tango, dancers might think of this as, oh, that sounds like a milonga. Absolutely. Because that's the, that's the beat of it. So let's but, give a, a listen to the beginning of this, just so we can hear, hear what it is.
All right, nice Firpo. I like Firpo. He's uh, also the composer of that Amanecer, Amanecer, which we keep coming back to when we started the show with. So that song, uh, you you hear that bum, 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 bum rhythm, that habanero rhythm right. in the bass, and but it's that slower sort of thing that you were talking about, feeling it into. Would you program that as a DJ for a dance event at a malanga? Um, well. I have no trouble dancing to it. Um, also, I know the song. It's a beautiful song. Yeah, it's fun. Um, but as a DJ, it's uh, it's a little tricky because we, usually we put the music together uh, in in tandas. Tanda is like a set, right? Three or four songs. Uh, same orchestra, same style. And that opening sounds like it's a milonga to a lot of people because it's the same the same baseline. Milonga in this case, meaning the faster tango, which we'll probably listen to shortly, as opposed to the milonga event where one would go to dance tango. Exactly. So we're gonna we're gonna get to that uh, that distinction in the music in a minute. <laughs> um, but the thing is, usually uh, dancers would hear that and they hear that signal and they think, ah, that's a milonga. And so if that's the first song in the tanda, first song in the set, that could confuse people um, potentially, um, unless they really knew the song that well. And this particular arrangement is not as as widely known as uh, as several others so i tend to avoid it um, as a dj also i don't have uh, a lot of motivation to put together a whole set of of uh, firpo tangos from that era um right now i have done so in the past but lately i haven't uh, haven't touched it that much but this is stuff that i do like to listen to um you know away from the dance floor as well even though it's still very much dance music uh, so that baseline that we said is is uh, um bum 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 exactly like that. <laughs> that really is something that it's is really easy to count in two. It's like one a two and one a two and one exactly. If you tried to count that in a four four measure, it would actually be really really cluttered, really complicated. I think. Let's try that. Zoom bum 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 one two three four one. I don't even know where to put the, <laughs> the stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, jumbled. I kind of, I can get the feel of the, it's there, but it's of extra. the sound yeah. more easily. Yeah. yeah, it's not the point. Yeah. yeah. So that that sound, that baseline, is actually the old baseline of the tangos. That's the two four, um, the underlying two four that Darienzo was talking about when he said he was going back to it. Mm -hmm. um, and also in general, the two four was more the feeling of the dance music. Yeah, the the kind of steady beat. Um, steady downbeat, especially. So the the milonga as a genre of as like a subgenre of tango uh, really develops from that and uh, with different ways of of kind of playing with that. But that's really the underlying structure, and it's a little different from a tango because uh, it's more consistently that specific beat, mm -hmm. right? That syncopated beat. Uh, so next, I'd like to play here uh, a milonga. Uh, this one again is by Darienzo. Uh, he recorded, I think. Um, more milongas and more more ways of making a milonga, I think, than anybody. He really played with it quite a lot. Uh, and this one is one that you don't hear that often uh, when you go out dancing, um, even though I think there's no reason why uh, we shouldn't. It's it's really danceable, really clear. The song is called La Mañana, and it's uh, 1944. And it's uh, Juan D'Arienzo, the singer Alberto Echagüe. And uh, why don't we listen to that next here? We'll right. hear the same, the same rhythm kind of underneath. Bum, 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 bum. 
tímidamente sobre la casa dormida y le dará bienvenida el canario alegremente estremece levemente las glicinas azuradas mientras se lava la cara el gato tranquilamente carga una hormiga estiribó el palito de una parra y otra que vuelve se para para infundirle valor limonguillo aburrido escondido en la rejilla y en el asta de una silla flamea un repasador carga una hormiga estiribó el palito de una parra y otra que vuelve se para para infundirle valor limón vino aburrido escondido en la rejilla y en el asta de una silla flamea un repasador All right, well, that was fast. <laughs> Definitely quicker than, than what we were just listening to. Yeah, the underlying beat, that song again was La Mañana, that's the title. And that underlying beat, yeah? Bum, ba-dum, bum, bum, ba-dum, bum, bum. A two, one, a two. two. Yeah, it's that two. same beat that we heard in the in DD, in the Firpo tango that we played earlier. And, uh, you know, just as a kind of side note, the, the way I've counted this in dance classes before, just to make it a little more memorable for people, um, who are who are just learning it is I sometimes count one milonga one milonga one <laughs> like milonga that. yeah and it it works pretty well and it's pretty that's pretty consistent that's the beat um, so it's kind of an accident that it comes out that way um, one thing that bassists do uh, particularly on quicker milongas is instead of playing bum ba bum 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 ba bum bum they might not physically have time to get around the instrument or you might want to clean it out the texture out a little bit so you'll they'll be just playing bum 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 and leaving that extra little but um in the middle of the measure to you know the rest of the music for yeah you hear that actually in a lot of recordings and mm -hmm. sometimes the different the different accents maybe because of the instrumentation or uh just for a different flavor in the music sometimes the different accents might be on a different instrument um exactly that's yeah. and there's actually a lot of different ways when you when you take this back into the context of tango, there's a lot of different ways that you start to hear this, um, this beat played, and it gives the music a very different feel. Uh, for example, there are some times when instead of just hearing one, two, one, two in a tango, you hear one and two, one and two. Yeah, this is a very, very uh, common thing that once you start listening for it, you hear it all over the place. So a lot of these, these uh, kind of sub rhythms or variations on this two, four measure um, appear all over the place in a tango. And one thing that tangos do, um, or that I guess that musicians do with tangos uh, quite often, is they go through kind of the, the changes of this rhythm. They'll play this one, then they'll play that one, then they'll play the next one. Um, and that actually gives the songs a lot of interest. But if you're counting, I think in four, this get, to get back to this controversy, right? If you're counting it in four to begin with, uh, when you hit some of these variations, it gets really confusing. It's hard to to keep going um, because it doesn't really match. But if you start in two, two is a very is much more flexible in a lot of ways, and it allows you to uh, really hear what's going on and keep track of it. You mentioned musicians and switching between rhythms, and we do have it is at this point really quite codified various choices you have to 
to pick from, and you can just tell people, even if you're playing a la Parisia, you know, without a specific uh, arrangement in front of you, this part's going to be marcato, it's called marcato in two, which mm-hmm. is exactly what is the basis of, you know, much of what we're talking about. And occasionally you'll stick in a marcato in four, so you'll be going bum, a zoom, a zoom, a zoom, a zoom, 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 zoom. Zoom. But you wouldn't want to go zoom, 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 zoom all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wear people out. Right. You, you, you can pepper that in. But that's another point. Since we call it Marcato in two and Marcato in four, I wanted to to mention that since that fits in with what you're talking about. Right. And when you, st- when you really are, have a two-four measure as your basis, so mm-hmm. two beats to the, to the bar, basically, you're just counting a two count. That's really all that that means. It's very easy to switch that from two to four. Absolutely. But it can be really hard to switch from four to two because then you feel like you're missing the pulse. And uh, and then when you start to get the syncopations like we're hearing in the milonga, it's really hard to figure out uh, just by ear and, and kind of intuitively how to do that. Absolutely. So what are we going to find our two, four pulse in next? Well, I'd like to play um, a tango called El Sencero. But we're not going to play the one by Juan D'Arienzo that a lot of people <laughs> in the, a lot of dancers are very familiar with. Uh, we're going to play, uh, this is kind of ironic. We're going to play a more recent version by Los Muchachos de Antes, which is okay. a contemporary uh, trio, I believe. Um, but this is playing in a very old style. So this is like really old school. So this is the old, like nervy, quick 2-4 okay. um, by a contemporary group. So it's kind of a retro Uh, arrangement, but very lively, and I think you'll enjoy it. I look forward to it. Here we go. Max and I are just waving at each other in the studio here, and I wanted to point out this beat is uh, is another variation. It's got a hitch in it, right? One, two, one, two, one, two. Referencing that old habanero. Exactly. It's still got... Yeah, it's still got the, the a two. song's retro in a few ways we had some different instrumentation there as well a flute and a clarinet that's 
That's some old tango. Yeah, exactly. There's uh, the instrumentation kind of changed over time of what was typical. Also, the guitar was a, was a really big course, deal. Yeah. And uh, you know, I hadn't I hadn't really thought about discussing this, but we might as well since we're we're at the point. Um, I think that these a lot of these rhythms that we're talking about, especially this this underlying habanera, right? Mm -hmm. That's a very guitaristic rhythm. In fact, it's so easy to play that on the guitar that sometimes you want the guitarist to play something else. <laughs> but it's really suited to the guitar. And I think that the, the fact that the guitar was in tango uh, very early has a big influence on all of this music. Because it's basically guitar music in a lot of ways, on a rhythmic level at least. So much of the articulation, lilt, and, and development of tango is dependent on the physics of the instruments that participate from the guitar to the bass to of course the bandoneon the the way we start we can the way that notes can be created on each of those instruments has a massive impact on oh very much i think in fact do. one of the things that's very characteristic about tango in addition to the the rhythmic underpinnings of it like we're talking about now is when you listen to the sounds in the music you often hear that the musicians are being as resourceful as possible. They're really getting every different kind of sound out of a violin that you can make. You know, they bow on the bridge and get this raspy sound out sometimes. Uh, and you hear um, on the bandoneon, that's an instrument that can make such a diversity of sounds. So many different tones and, and characters come out of that Absolutely. squeeze box. Uh, on the bass too, the way that they bow the bass, pluck the bass, it's really like they, they're very creative. And that's really part of the tango is that kind of wit or cleverness that you hear that intellect in the musicians. And something that then is an interesting step for that is when other musicians who are playing a different instrument need to imitate or play in unison or sound like the originator of that sound. So a violin will do their best to fit in with the way a bandoneon is falling with gravity and it creates the beginning of a note and they'll have to imitate that on their bow and that will create a whole new genre of sounds um, that they might not have thought of before. Yes, exactly. I think that's a real playfulness you have in the music. Absolutely. And it's also, it's something that is really mirrored in the dance because we don't just learn a step in tango. We learn a step and then we, we vary it and change it and do it upside down and backwards. And You mean you're not just counting one and two and putting your foot down each time? Well, you can do that, but <laughs> you're also, like there's a creativity in the dance where, you know, you learn a turn. And I mean, mm -hmm. the turn really follows the measure in tango as long as we're talking about it. But then you learn all the different way things you can do with that turn. Um, and, you know, all the different ways you can decorate it, add detail, remove detail, change the, change the expression that you give it. Um, so we have the same kind of resourceful attitude with the steps of the dance. And we take one step and multiply it into 20 um, quite freely, I think. Where do you find inspiration for your playfulness? In the dance, you mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. Right out of the music. The music and the opportunity. I mean, on the dance floor, uh, you know, usually we're improvising. And um, what I've noticed, too, is that watching dancers as a DJ, teaching dancers as a teacher, I've noticed that there's a lot of stuff that we learn that nobody ever teaches. Um, and I started teaching this, this stuff only recently. This Actually, this two count, literally, uh, something that I use to explain how to do steps in, uh, in class because it gives us a, a kind of map for the movement. It lets us know how to pace things. Um, and uh, I find that really the, the different sounds, the changes you hear in the music kind of inspire us on the dance floor in the moment. Do you have an example of that? Um, well, what I find that's most interesting, uh, I'll mention this, kind of, a, kind of an example, mm -hmm. um, is that the way that people pause 
when they're dancing. Yeah, pausing is a big part of dancing tango. I'm a strong believer in the pause. Yeah, it's a, it's a really um, it's what gives the dance a feeling of depth because you have your normal your normal beat. Yeah, you can always make it faster. You can accelerate or do a double time, like we say. Yeah, dancing like a one and two, right? Mm -hmm. Instead of just two steps, you do three in the space of two. Um, but to dance a pause is to change in the other direction, it's to slow down. And that gives the dance a feeling of, of great range. Absolutely. Yeah? Because you speed up and slow down. Well, now you've got uh, a lot more to play with. <laughs> but the, when I notice people pause, uh, usually they hold a pause for a consistent amount. And I don't think any of us really think about this very much. But we usually fill out the measure mm -hmm. with a pause. And we start walking at the beginning of the next measure on the next, the next downbeat, as it were. And uh, I've observed this pr like pretty consistently over the years, and it's um, it's amazing because then you, if you ask people, they say, "Oh, I don't really know. I'm just following the feel of the music," and that's very true. But it's actually exactly to count that that dictates how long we typically pause as well. It's really hard to to violate that. In fact, uh, once you know about it, you can try, and it's hard to break that rule. I was in a really neat class in New York once with. Uh, Robin Thomas, a well-known teacher, mm -hmm. and he was teaching people, uh, we've been talking here a lot about the beat, and he was looking at the sort of the eight-bar phrase, so that would be 16 beats, and he was having people identify the, the first beat of that, and they'd step there, and then he was having people add steps leading into that, um, so you'd step the beat before and that beat, and then three beats before and that beat, and he kept adding beats, and it was a really the uh, musical awareness of that class by the end was it was just it was actually at a at a university it was i thought really an effective way of getting people to pay attention not only to the beat but also to where they were in the phrase and to their idea of pausing because they were choosing and they had to investigate each place and what it would feel like to step and begin your stepping in in the the phrase yeah when you start to look at the melodic phrase so mm -hmm. it's something longer than the measure right it's usually the measure is really the building block of the tune, right? Mm -hmm. And when you really dance to the tune, you're still dancing to the measure in the same way. Um, and a lot of the time in dance, because in tango, our, our basic step, our kind of model for the dance is an, is an eight count uh, sequence. Um, a lot of the time as dancers, we like to say, okay, we'll do this in eight counts, but the music doesn't always do that. Sometimes you have a melodic phrase that's 10 counts and then followed by one that's six and the division's really clear. Um, so there's an extra two and then a missing two, right? Mm -hmm. Plus a measure, minus a measure. That kind of, to me, tells me the key into that that two count. Absolutely. Uh, as a dancer, even for putting together longer uh, sections of, uh, like longer phrases uh, of movement. You um, use that building block that you've... Yeah, exactly. It's like you're going, that's the piece that's always going to be there. That, yes. you, can, you can lean on that and um, it's really never going to leave you. All right. So what are we going to listen to next? Well, I'd like to play... Um, we're going to listen to actually a pair of songs by the same uh, the same band leader, Anibal Troilo, uh, one of the greats. And the first one uh, is going to be a little bit faster, a little bit up-tempo. It's going to have a lot of different rhythms. And I think that uh, if you're listening and you count this in two, it's actually going to make it really clear what's going on in the music, which without that count can sound very chaotic, um, even though it's, it's a lot of fun, even if it's very chaotic. But I think it will be very clear, almost transparent, uh, what's happening. And uh, this is a tango from 1941 uh, called Cachirulo, which means something like bonkers. <laughs> and I think it's a very apt title. All right. So let's listen to that. Mm -hmm. 
For Tacoma Radio comes from S and A Beads, offering craft classes, make it yourself, and classic ready-to-wear jewelry with beads from around the world and through the ages. Located at 235 Carroll Street Northwest. More information at beadstore.com. And from Fair Days Play, a Tacoma Park toy store specializing in games, crafts, toys, and learning tools. Located at 7050 Carroll Avenue. FairDaysPlay.com. Support for Tacoma Radio comes from the New Deal Cafe, a community-owned co-op in Greenbelt, Maryland, with live music, microbrews, locally roasted coffee, a menu for omnivores and vegans alike. The New Deal Cafe sponsors arts and music-centered festivals throughout the year. More information at NewDealCafe.com or on social media with the handle at the New Deal Cafe. Speaking of social media, you can find our show and communicate with us if you go to Facebook and search for Bienvenido al Tango, W-O-W-D-L-P. We try to pay attention while we're on the air in case you have any questions or concerns that we can, we can write to you about. My name is Max, of course. We've been listening to Tango here with Tango teacher and DJ extraordinaire Jake Spatz and... We're going to continue here, I believe, with some more Troilo. Is that correct? Yes, that is. So the last song we heard, Cachirulo, very lively, very like knee-slapping kind of, uh, kind of, uh, you know, dance tune, um, and it has a lot of the rhythms in there that we talked about, a lot of the variety and a lot of the the different sounds of different instruments that um, that we've been discussing. And what I'd like to play next is something that's kind of the other end of the spectrum by the same uh, orchestra leader. This is just three years later, 1944. Um, and this will give you an idea of the range that a single orchestra could have. You know, personnel changed in the meantime in the band, but really it's still the same, the same kind of visionary and virtuoso leading it. Mm-hmm. And this is a very dramatic um, tango. It's actually my girlfriend Dasha's favorite tango, or at least it was for a long time. Um, I think as she's a DJ too, and it's hard as a DJ to have like one favorite song. <laughs> I think as a you know, um, can't really narrow it down. But I know that she really likes this one. And this has a really interesting feature because even though it's a it's a moodier, deeper uh, tango, you're going to hear a lot of that milonga beat or that habanera beat uh, in there as well that kind of gives it a little bit more animation as it goes. But there's also one particular measure, uh, which you'll hear kind of right before the singer enters. It's got a very uh, odd little moment, kind of a hiccup in the rhythm. Um, and I don't know why it's there. I just know it's there. And I know that... <laughs> Uh, it can just it can jolt you a little bit, but it's actually very consistent 
um, if you're kind of counting along or tapping your finger um, in two, as we've been uh, talking about. So we'll listen to that next. This is La Vigegar uh, by Aníbal Troilo with Alberto Marino, fantastic uh, singer, uh, entering after about a minute or so. Excellent. <laughs> song i love the variety of rhythm and we were looking at the beginning of that song and listening to the idea the relationship between the milonga rhythm we were discussing earlier the habanero Mm -hmm. and uh, what musicians call the syncopa which is that various versions of jumpum 
bum bum. Exactly. Yeah, dancers call it a syncopa also. <laughs> well, I thought a dancer syncopa was usually when you slightly when you just sort of double time for a second. Well, there's the double time. That's like a doble tempo, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Or and and that's one thing. Okay. Syncopa is the this more specific uh, feature in the music, which you actually hear uh, quite often mm -hmm. in tangos. That's uh, as you said before, bum 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 bum. Yeah, rum bum bum bum. Can you play bum. the beginning of the song we just? We were just listening to sure. so we can hear that again. Let's hear it again. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, I love, I love how similar that is to a milonga rhythm, but it has a totally different sort of function, a different feel. I would respond to it differently with my body. Would you agree with that? Yes, very much. Um, because the the milonga rhythm is kind of it's consistent. It's kind of rolling forwards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. This syncopa is really a variation in a in a, a simpler rhythm. It's kind of a like a rhythm with two hitches now instead mm -hmm. of just one like we had before in the tango. Um, and on the dance floor, this is probably the thing that it's the hardest to incorporate like literally in the dancing because that's mm -hmm. a very quick succession of steps. However, there's a way that it works very naturally, which is uh, if you're just walking forward, yeah. Which as as uh, gentlemen we often are in the dance. <laughs> Um, and you just walk heel toe. Mm -hmm. That's rampam. And so if you actually walk slower and heel toe it, yeah, you get that that syncopa in the beginning of it at least, and you can kind of uh, just feel the next one. And of course, the syncopa does fit into the one two. You know, one two, one and uh, two. Exactly. Yeah, it's, it's all it's all right there. All right. Yeah, it's really framed by the measure very nicely. Absolutely. So what do we what do we have next here? Uh, next, I wanted to play a song. This is more just for um, for fun and for interest. This is a song by uh, by Alfredo Gobi uh, called Independiente Club, and I think that it's a really nice one for hearing the measure and all the different ways that it can be played, and really uh, hearing that as like a packet of music. All right. And actually, I just noticed our time has gotten down very low. So I think this will have to be the song that we head out on. But I want to thank you so much, Jake, for joining us uh, today, coming on in to talk about tango music and, and listen with us. And I look forward. Uh, I'll certainly be at uh, Eastern Market this evening. Uh, um. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I know I'll see you there. Uh, Jake, of course, an organizer of great tango events around D.C. And, uh, yeah, so thank you so much. And do you have any last words for us before we listen to a little Gobi here? I just want to thank you for having me on in the studio here. And uh, it's been a real pleasure to talk about music with, you know, sitting down <laughs> for a change. Usually <laughs> I'm standing up and, uh, and teaching people where to walk. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just want to give a shout out. Uh, this, there has been a small schedule change. And coming up right after us, I'm excited, DJ Special Sauce is here with Hot Sauce Lounge at a new time, 2 to 4. Uh, and that will continue on Thursdays going forward. DJ Special Sauce takes her listeners on an audio journey around the world, one lounge at a time. I'm always listening. Later on this evening, of course, the Eminem Magical Music Magazine with Marika from 7 to 9, and in the Jazz Kitchen from 9 to 11. My name is Maxfield. We wish Phil, my co-host in Italy and abroad, good luck and look forward to his return next time. We thank Jake Spatz, tango teacher, DJ extraordinaire, for joining us. You're listening to WOWDLP Tacoma Park. This is Gobi.